I'll invite you to stand with me if you would. We read a passage of scripture together. We're in the middle of a series called Terms and Conditions. And we're looking at the words of Jesus and what the words of Jesus teach us about boundaries and conflict that we have in relationships. And this is the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 15. I'm going to read it aloud. It'll be on the screen and you can follow along. Jesus to you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what's the word? Complete. Complete. My command is this, uh, say it with me, that phrase, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you, what's the word? Friends. For everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Say those last three words with me. What? Love each other. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, as I was, I was preparing this message, I really felt like this needed to be a message um, mostly for the guys. Uh, so today, it's, if you're a lady, we love you, we need you, we wouldn't be here without you. Uh, I really want you to listen in on this, but um, I want to I wanna talk to the guys in the room. And uh, I want to talk to the guys in the room about something that, uh, that we need as guys, but uh, as, as men, as men in our culture particularly, it's something that we really uh, honestly can't admit that we need. And, and I'm not going to hammer on you today. I want to I try, try and help you. And, and my goal is to give us a vision, because ne- the next three weeks we're going to uh, look at Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus talks about how to deal with conflict. We're going to look in a real practical way. How do you, how do, you do that? But... Before we jump into that, we need to make sure we're all on the same page, have the same vision about what, what's, what's supposed to happen in a relationship. What's supposed to, how's it supposed to go down? Um, what's, what's the right way to get at it? And so uh, I want to talk to you about a small word with really big implications as men, okay? Hang with me. And the word is friend. I'm going to talk to you about that today. Um, what a friend is, what it means to be a friend. And um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm right out of the gate here, I'm going to go pretty heavy, and uh, so if you'll stay with me, don't go, oh my gosh, <laughs> where are we going? Where it's going to get better, I'm going to explain a way out of it, but I need to paint the picture of why uh, it's important, especially for us as guys, to have friends. And so I'm going to go heavy, can you, can you hang with me? Someone nod, just one person, <laughs> thank you, Okay. I want to I want to I want to say th- this this is not it doesn't really take a lot of observation by anybody to notice this cuz it's just so obvious uh that uh, as Americans we're just really lonely. And I I, I want to give you three things that I notice in our culture um that kind of point to me the, about the fact that man we're just lonely we don't really know what to do about it. Um the first thing and this is this is heavy to start right out the gate when they teach you to speak, they tell you, don't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, uh, is, is this. Uh, the suicide rate in our country 
uh, I, I thought I was, I was going to look this up. I thought, you know, suicide, people commit suicide and it's tragic. And I've done funerals for people who've committed suicide and fam- help families try and figure out what to do next after that. But it hasn't, you know, it's probably about the same that it's always been. And I looked, and uh, since 1999, when they, they did the stats from 1999 to 2016, the, the suicide rate in our country, even in Indiana, has gone up. Do you know what percentage? 30%. That kind of that blew me away. Now, I, I'm not in any way of trying to minimize why someone would choose to, to take their own life. I, I, I don't know all the reasons. I know there, sometimes mental illness can be a part of the, 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 uh, the makeup of all of that. But kind of in the end, isn't, isn't it the reality? Again, I'm not in that person's headspace. Didn't they feel just alone? Like they had nobody? It's like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on this alone. I mean, that's kind of why, right? They're lonely. In, in, maybe that's the bigger part of the reason. I, this really hit home um, because in the news in the last probably six months, there have been two, uh, two pastors from uh, kind of high-profile churches in America that have decided to take their own life. I have a picture of of both of them. This is Andrew. Andrew was a young pastor in California, a church of seven or 8,000 people, family. And he tragically ended his, there's a long story to all that and some mental illness played into that. Uh, another pastor by the name of Jim, another church, you know, very, very large church, um, took his life. I mean, like, so there's no profession that's immune from this. Like you can't get into some role in your life and that you're just immune to this. Now I just want you to know, some of you are like, what, are you subtly asking for help? No, I'm not. I thank God. Uh, in, my, in my personality and temperament, anxiety and depression has just never been a reality for me. I, I don't, I, I feel for anyone who has struggles with that, it's just never been a, a thing for me. Not that I've never felt those emotions. I'm a human being. I, I'm just trying to say it's real. And I'm just trying to say that loneliness can be deadly. In fact, if you don't know the suicide prevention uh, phone number, if you're ever talking to somebody, or if you're ever in the place where you're alone, 1-800-273-TALK, you can immediately talk to someone. It's staff 24-7. If you're ever in the, memorize that number. If you're ever in the, like, hey, write this down. Uh, it needs to be okay for people to admit where they are and get help for, for where they are. And I, f- I found this picture of this guy on this bridge who was trying to take his life. And uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I took this picture and I started to cry. It's like, I wasn't even sure why. I'm like, what in the world? Why am I? If there has ever been a picture of the mission of the local church, it's this picture right here. Like some guys, and there's these people just like, I got you, I got you, I got you. And you know what? I found picture. I, found, I looked up, you know, like pictures of people being rescued from, and it was almost always dudes. Not that women never struggle. I'm not saying that. It's just, but it was almost always guys. So that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an indicator in our culture. We're struggling with loneliness. The other one is, is addiction. Um, uh, you, you know there's an opioid crisis. Uh, you know there's a heroin crisis. Uh, you, you know, uh, as well as I do, that when anybody turns to addiction, what they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid their life and they're trying to numb out their pain. Like, I can't take it anymore, so I'll take this thing and it'll make me feel better. And the people who are trying to treat addiction and, and put in a different category and, and say we can help people, they'll tell you that, listen, trying to tell somebody, just stop doing that, doesn't work. 
And what they found is kind of an innovative uh, thing. It's not really that surprising, but it's really kind of innovative in treatment, is that the real problem of an addict is not the, the pain, it's the lack of connection that they feel with another human being. And so the opposite of addiction is, a lack, uh, uh, is connection. They turn to a substance to f- because they feel in the end, nobody's there for me, right? These are just, again, markers of our, in our culture saying that uh, we're struggling with loneliness, especially as guys. Then the third thing is uh, the ideal picture of a man in our country, uh, I, I think, uh, is a cowboy, <laughs> right? Uh, a cowboy, he's rugged, uh, he rides a horse, or today drives a pickup named after a horse. Um, he shoots a gun. Uh, he's tough. But have you ever noticed he's always alone, right? It's always the dude, and he's always by himself. The ideal is that alone, we're somehow supposed to make life work. And that if you were really tough enough, if you were really enough of a man, you would be able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I just want to point out the lunacy of that, that phrase that we say all the time that we believe is a, somehow a truth. Have you ever actually put boots on and tried to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? It's literally impossible, right? You just fall over on your face because it's literally impossible. We, and, and yet it carries the weight of truth, right? Be a man. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And when we say be a man, what we interpret that to mean is don't ask for help and figure it out on your own. Mother Teresa, uh, before she died, she made an observation about American life and she said, um, you, have a, you have an epidemic of loneliness. And if you're taking notes and you have the sermon notes and you want to fill in the first blank, most of us operate as if the terms and conditions to life are figure it out on your own. Right? You feel that? Then, uh, add, add to all those reasons, those three reasons, you know, kind of why we have this loneliness epidemic. We're in the middle of this digital revolution and where people can be connected digitally but not personally. So you can be connected over a, a, a social media network and you can know people. And I looked, I don't pay attention to this statistic, um, but I looked to see how many, how many friends I have on Facebook. And I've lived different places and, you know, I'm an extrovert. And so it's not hard to get to this number if you're that kind of person. Um, but I have, I have 2,231 friends on Facebook. Um, but you know, what I, you know what I know about life? People who follow you on Facebook uh, do not equate to real friends in real life, right? Facebook can be fake book, and Instagram can be insta-fake, <laughs> right? Because what happens is you see everyone's best, and you compare your worst to their best, and there's no better way to feel terrible, especially if you're a guy, and look at someone else who feels it looks like they're a better provider, and if they're married, they're a better husband, and then they're a better dad, and they have a better job, and they have better toys, and as a guy who measures yourself by, you know, what you are able to accomplish in life, as a guy, you shrink and you feel like a failure. Because you're like, I can't keep up with that. Uh, I was at a conference last week for, the, for our tribe of churches, Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City, uh, for just a few days. And um, there was a friend, where, where I've, 
He's a pastor on the West Coast. We know all kinds of the same people. I've met him once. I, uh, his wife was the daughter of the college president where we went, my wife and I went to school, Nazarene University in, in Kansas City. And so I know him through that, uh, who's a little younger. And, um, so, but, I, but I know a, a lot about him because he's, 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 he's kind of on social media a lot. And he's got two kids. And his oldest kid is studying Chinese. And uh, I see pictures of his kid learning Chinese and what they eat and where they go. And we're walking through this kind of convention thing. And there was a, like a booth set up. And he was sitting right there. I know I know him. We, he knows me. We know each other's name. Uh, but one of my actual friends was sitting right next to him talking. One of my in life, real life, I talk to on a regular basis this friend, another pastor, and, and I saw that, that friend, and, and here's what, it was so weird, it was surreal, like I knew all this stuff about him, but when I saw him in person, there's zero connection. It's like, that's kind of weird, I know that your kid's in Chinese, but we're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like digital connection is not connection, it's just information about another human being. Now, listen, If you have an actual relationship with somebody else and you see what they do online, it's actually awesome. It's a great way to keep up with family in another place and actual friends. And you can augment your relationship with the person. But if if not, if you don't have that actual, like, real, genuine face-to-face friendship, it just leaves you feeling more alone. Right? And then add to this that as, as guys, we just don't really know how... Uh, to connect to another guy. It's just not a, that's not a skill that's taught. You know, we talk about friends, but no one ever really teaches you how to do it. I looked, I looked around all my books, uh, and I got a lot of books, <laughs> and the, I, I had to search really hard for a book that talked about how to be a friend. Really hard. Um, let me give you three uh, ancient quotes that, that people have said, men have said about friendship. Um, and they're from three famous people. One is C.S. Lewis. He's not ancient, but the way he writes is ancient. Um, and, and he's a Christian. The other two are not Christians. But they all kind of say the same thing. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. We have this one on the screen. He said, friendship is unnecessary like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. For God did, God did not need to create. I don't know if you know that. God, didn't, God doesn't have a need. He he's just gives out of overflow and out of joy and generosity. He has no need, right? Um, it has no survival value. In other words, if you're drowning, you're not like, hey, toss me that picture. It'll keep me afloat. <laughs> no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. It's like we can't, we can't feel like life's meaningful if we don't have friends. Cicero, he was an ancient Roman senator, not a Christian. Uh, this we said. He said, with the exception of wisdom, I'm inclined to believe that the immortal gods have given nothing better, nothing better to humanity than friendship. Aristotle, famous philosopher, he said there's three kinds of friendship that men engage in. French, uh, what he calls it a friendship of usefulness. So in other words, I get something from you and you get something from me. Um, then the next level is you have a friendship of delight. You mutually enjoy something. You both like to fish. You both like to work with wood. You both like hunting, whatever it might be. You have a delight in that. And then the, the best, best level of friendship, he says, is a friendship of love, that I'm for you and you're for me. And, and as men, we just don't know how to access that level. It's just we just never, we've never been taught to do that. And so I, I reflected on my own friendships and uh, reflected on the people who have impacted my life. And, and literally, I, literally, I, who I am today, I owe to my friends. 
I mean, I, I thought back, and my parents impacted, I have good parents, they love me, um, but they, at one point, my, my dad moved because he wanted me to have the right kind of friends. And um, I found that, uh, this picture that hangs up in, my, uh, in, my in our house, um, a picture of me and two of my closest friends, both, they were both at my wedding, um, I don't know if you can picture which one's me when you put this up here. <laughs> we're, we're, both, we're all ninth graders. On the left is my friend Jared. I'm there in the middle, the guy with hair. And uh, then my friend Scott Dooley is there on the, on the right. And uh, you've, you've, you've been around. You've heard of Scott Dooley. Scott Dooley is a doctor now in Papua New Guinea and works in a hospital, Kujip Nazarene Hospital, providing care for uh, people in the name of Jesus. And um, these are still my friends. Scott sent me, uh, year, this was years ago, we were, in, uh, he was, we were roommates in school together, and we were, they were stood up in my wedding, and uh, years ago he sent me this uh, scripture from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Like, listen, the conversations that I've had with my close friends have shaped absolutely who I am. I would not be. Now you, you say, well, I, don't, I didn't have that chance when I was in ninth grade to make friends like that. Dude, what am I going to do? No, I could, I could show you pictures from every stage of my life and every, every place that I've been. I've made friends like that. And I, I promise you, I am who I am because of the friends that I have. And I want that for you. So Jesus, in this passage, this is what's interesting, is he's talking to us about friendship. And he uses kind of odd language, talks about fruit. We'll describe that in a second. But of Aristotle's three kinds of friendship, right? A friendship of usefulness, like we, we use, kind of use each other in a way. A friendship of delight, you know, we enjoy the same thing. Or a friendship of love. Which, which of the three is Jesus talking about there, right? It's kind of obvious, friendship of love. And, and Jesus says that the, the goal of this connection with another person and with God is that your joy might be complete, he says in John 15, 11. Now remember, this is Jesus a dude who said this. He's talking about how your joy can be, be complete. And what he's saying is this constitutes a promise about a better tomorrow for you as a dude. It's so that you would actually enjoy your life and not just put your shoulder into it. That's what we do as men. Like, like that's a great gift. But a lot of us don't enjoy life. And Jesus is like, listen, I want your joy. I want you to have a complete kind of joy. I want your life to be enjoyable. And the way you get to that is you, it's fulfilled through loving someone else. And the result of loving someone as a friend is that life is more enjoyable. In fact, Jesus says it. He says, greater love has no one than this, that lay, they would lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, maybe you've heard that verse before. Uh, on social media, it often gets put across a picture of someone in the military, you know, rescuing their buddy. Which, that's, 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 that's true. But that word lay down means to, you know, to put down, to put, put a piece of yourself down for somebody else. Like, I'm going I'm to give a piece of me for a piece of you. I'm going to give some of my life for some of your life. So you, you can do that in all kinds of ways. For, you can lay your life down for someone else in all kinds of ways. You can help them move. You can let them borrow your favorite tool. You can use, let them use your house. You can loan out your truck. But it's also, it means that you're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. Think, you know, all those stories about someone rescuing their buddy in war and sacrificing their life for them. There's a cute story, I don't know if it's even true, um, but of a little boy 
whose sister needed a blood transfusion, and he was the, the blood type match. And so his parents said, listen, your, your blood can save your sister's life. Will you give some of your blood to your sister? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll give. Yeah, I'll do that. He thought about it a little bit, but he, yeah, I'll do that. So they go in, and he's getting ready to give blood, and the doctor is kind of, the person helping is getting that already, and he looks up at them, and he says, so when am I going to die? Like, what? It's like, well, when am I going to die? Because I'm going to give my blood to her. Like, he didn't understand how it worked. Like, that's laying down, right? It's like the willingness to, well, so when am I going to die? <laughs> like, Jesus is like, listen, no, there's no greater love than that. There's no greater love than that. But think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying laying down your life for a friend. This is what, for Jesus, constitutes greatness. And it requires friendship to experience this kind of greatness so how could you ever be great as a man if you don't have friends to lay your life down for right you gotta have friends and then he ends jesus ends this this kind of teaching section and he says listen i chose you and this is kind of odd language to us i'm gonna explain it to you but he says i i chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last let me translate that for you jesus is saying um i want you on my team I have a unique assignment for you, and it's this, that you would be productive and that you would have, as a man, a fruitful life. Men are supposed to be productive. There's supposed to be something to show for our life, and, and we feel good when we produce. And I'm stereotyping here, but most of us as men feel like we're somebody when we get stuff done. Now, that can go kind of negative directions. You can define yourself by what you do. But, but that's put in us by God that we're meant to be productive and to produce something with our life, whether it's steel or a spreadsheet or a child, whatever it might be, that we're to produce something with our life. Um, and it's an important part of who we are. But do you know the production that Jesus is pointing to in the end? Like if you, if you get all this in context and you were to read the verses before where Jesus says he's the vine and we're the branches and we're to stay in his love and remain in his love. Do you know what the production Jesus is looking for out of the life of a man? Do you know what it is? It's in a word. Love. Specifically, friendship love. Go back and read the tech context of the passage. That's what he's talking about. So uh, let, me, let me spend the balance of our time giving you four ways as a man to get close, okay? I, don't, I know that's like, what? <laughs> close, and we don't talk like that as, men's, as men, but uh, Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, a great way to even begin that is to get into a life group because life groups are kind of laboratories for learning how to do that. And the purpose of life groups are closer to God and cl getting closer to each other and closer to the needs of the world. In fact, we're doing a training for life group leaders after the 11 o'clock service today. Um, but I want to give you four steps that you could begin to put into practice as a guy to move toward friendship that's transforming for you, okay? Whatever your age might be. This is not an age thing. Here's, here's the number one thing. You put it in your notes. First, you've got to be the friend that you want. And, and what I mean by that is that so often we want someone to do for us what we're not willing to do for them. Right? Uh, Gandhi said it this way. He said, be the change you wish to see 
in the world. If you want something better, you be that thing first. That's the first step. I, I would tweak the wording of what Gandhi said and make it about friendship and say, be the friend you wish you had in the world. So if you wish someone would help you, then help. If you wish someone would give to you, then give. If you wish someone would share with you, then share. If you wish someone would listen to you, then listen. Now, you can't do it to gain a friend. Like, if I do this, this dude will be my friend. You can't do it for that reason. But you do need to do it to practice being a friend. Because sometimes friendship doesn't happen because you aren't able to be a friend. You want a friend, but you aren't a friend. I'll give you a little test. When someone asks you about you, hey man, how's it going? What's going on with you? And you tell them what's going on about you and then you launch into a story and then you say what's happening with this. Do you ever get to the point where you say back to the other person, hey, tell me how it's going with you. What's going on? I have a friend here who is a person who always is giving and they said to me one day, they said, I always ask people about them, but they never seem to ask me about me, and it feels really lonely. And, and sometimes um, we're just not ready to be a friend. And, and what I've found is that when, you're, when, you, when you have practiced being a friend, you're ready when friendship appears. And that's not a magical formula that make, guarantees that someone's going to be your best buddy. But you've got to be a friend. Okay? That's the first thing. Second thing is you've got to practice discerning disclosure. Discerning disclosure. What do I mean by that? Think about uh, the stages of getting to know someone like this ladder, and think about, you know, like, this, if, if this is a friendship here at the top, where you, you, like, it's a friendship of love. Like, there's some steps to get there. It's not like you just jump up on here. There's some steps. And, and communication theorists who study, who study this, and uh, they say that there are these steps. You know, you get to know somebody, and then, and then you, maybe you hang out with them, and you do something with them, and then uh, maybe you ask them about themselves, you know, and you kind, of, you kind of audition with them about, like, hey, would this be, like, would we be friends? And then, and then, then finally you get what they say when you, it's really tall. Uh, what they say is that the final step that determines whether or not you get to a place where you're disclosing thing, where you're close to somebody, is you have to disclose something about yourself. Like you have to be vulnerable. And just like the top of this ladder, you feel exposed and at risk. But it's always the defining thing as to whether or not the relationship becomes something deep and meaningful that makes life enjoyable. If you never disclose something about yourself, it never gets there. Because if you never do, then what happens is you just immediately walk right back down the ladder and the relationship stays at a surface level. Hey, dude, what's up? Yo, what's up? And you remain lonely. So that's why I say practice discerning disclosure because you're going to disclose something about you but you don't have to be like this is my deepest darkest secret here <laughs> it's kind of like uh like if you have a gun and you're trying to sight in the gun like you give it a test right okay that didn't work i gotta move this way a little bit or if you're casting a lure and you're trying to get to just the right spot and you need just the right amount of weight on your line to get there and where you release, like you got to test it, right? You get you to discern where you might go. And, and when you discern something, you're weighing things out. Now, I got, I got to give a word of caution here because, again, Aristotle's three levels of friendship, usefulness, delight, love. Most guys have what I have found 
just friendships of usefulness. In other words, they just have some bros that they hang out with. And they need somebody to hang out with, and that guy needs somebody to hang out with. And so they go drink with that guy. They go smoke pot with that guy. There is zero add to each other's character. There's nothing disclosed that's not safe. It is just all at a surface level. And, and that person is actually taking you down. You call them your friends. I was like, those are my buddies, man. Those are my bros. No, <laughs> they are not. They're just friends that are using each other. That's what's, that's what's actually going on. Have you ever heard this about your five? Like you're, you're the, 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 the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. It gets who you are. Now, I, I, that's why I went back with my friendships and I went, oh, man, I can tell you in stages of life. And they're great people. They're great men. And, and anything good has been a rub off from them. Not something I owe to myself. Because I was around them and they rub their, their character and their insight and their love and their compassion and their understanding rubbed off of me. Not that they're perfect. But for some of you as guys, what you need to do, it is time to unfriend and unfollow some people as your friend. As, stop call, call him an acquaintance. Like, I know that dude. But he's not your, he's not your friend. He's taking you down. That, that group of guys you hang with is taking you down. And, and they won't take you anywhere but the 420 train station and leave you there with your bags. But, so you've got to practice discerning disclosure. Third thing is you got to build a, a band of brothers. Uh, now, I know I've been talking to the guys. I don't know what the equivalent is for women. A set of sisters? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> this is something, right? Proverbs 17, 7, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Like You need people that you lock arms with that are moving in the same direction as you, or you just don't get through life. Uh, there, are th- there are two, two authors that I love to read. Um, I love to read because it opens whole worlds to you when you read. And um, two of them are C.S. Lewis, quoted him earlier, and then he had a friend. His friend was J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, maybe, you, maybe you know those names, maybe you don't. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings, great movies, even better books. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all kinds of other books as well. Uh, but they actually became friends. J.R. Tolkien was a follower of Jesus, and he taught at the same school as C.S. Lewis, and he became friends with C.S. Lewis. He said he was sitting in a meeting, and uh, J.R. Tolkien got up and talked, and C.S. Lewis wrote about it later, and he's like, he was kind of a jerk, but I still kind of liked him. <laughs> and they just struck up this friendship, and over the course of their friendship, J.R.R. Tolkien helped C.S. Lewis become a follower of Jesus. And there may not be a person in the last hundred years who has had a greater influence uh, on Christianity and people understanding Christianity and and talking in a rational way to someone who's a skeptic about faith than C.S. Lewis. Well, this came out of the friendship that he had with J.R.R. Tolkien. And J.R.R. Tolkien was writing all these books. And because of his friendship with C.S. Lewis, he said he wasn't going to finish this little book that he was trying to write called The Lord of the Rings, and he said, if I had, if I had never had C.S. Lewis as my friend, I would have never finished that book. Like, there were, 
They were brothers, they, and they had a little, a little group of other guys that were with them that they would meet together on a regular basis, and they would talk. Now listen, you gotta build a band of brothers, but where are you gonna find those brothers? Listen, all of those friends that have impacted me, every single one of them have come because of the church. Everyone, I don't know a better place to build great relationships than in the body of Christ, in the family of God, people that are moving in the same direction. So if you're like, I'll get, I, I'm not saying you can't be friends with somebody uh, somewhere else. I'm not saying for great friendships can't grow out of that. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying every single great relationship I've had in my life has come in some context, some way out of the church. This, this group of people who are doing their best to follow Jesus, this is the place to find friends. Because you can move in the same direction. And you get to link arms with guys going the same way that you are. And then this is the last thing, is that you've got to make friendship with Jesus uh, the model for your life. Now, do you notice what Jesus says about friendship? You know, he says, greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he says, and you are my friends. This is before Jesus is crucified. What is Jesus going to do not long after this for his friends? He's going to lay down his life on a cross. He wasn't just blowing smoke. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd like to loan you my truck, but we're not that close. <laughs> like he's going to lay down his life for his friends. And he says, I've, I've called you friends. It's, it's the kind of love that he's, he's saying, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I love you. Like, you know my business. I've disclosed who I am. Jesus went to the top of the ladder, like, all the way up, right? And I'm, when I'm talking about friendship with Jesus, I'm not talking about uh, figuring out what's the minimal entrance requirements to make sure I get into heaven when I die. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, like, what's the very least that I could do and, uh, and stay out of hell. I'm not talking about that. That's not friendship with Jesus. If that's your approach to faith, uh, it would be like me uh, marrying my wife. We've been married 22 years now. And um, on our wedding night saying, honey, I just I love you. You know, I've, I've given my life to you. But could you please tell me, what's the minimum thing that I can do and still be close to you? Like, what's the absolute least? Right? But a lot of, especially guys, that's how you think of faith. Like, what? I don't want to be. No, 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 no. The offer Jesus is making is that you would be his friend. That you would be close to him, that, that the iron of Jesus' wisdom would sharpen the iron of your life. Listen, you don't even need to know. Like maybe you've got all kinds of questions about faith and you're not sure about the divinity of Jesus and you don't know about resurrection from the dead and you're not even sure you believe in God. If you carefully read what Jesus said, that is never the condition that Jesus says to people to follow him. He doesn't say like, now what do you believe about me? What do you believe about my divinity? And Do you believe I did that? He just says, follow me and in following him. So if you say, I'm going to follow this guy as a friend, I'm going to learn what he says. I'm going to do what he commands. Listen, here's what you're going to find. A transforming friendship that will become a model for every other friendship that you have. And you'll actually have an enjoyable life because you'll have friends. And you will no longer be the dude that is alone, just putting your shoulder in the life, hoping it gets a little bit better. There is a better way. And it comes from Jesus. I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray for you, okay? 
Thank you, Lord, for the guys in this room. It is tough to be a guy in our country. It is tough to feel like we just have to figure it out on our own and that somehow we're, we're defective as a guy if we ask for help. How stupid that we get told this. How dumb. How idiotic. And so some of us live our lives under that lie, that ridiculous, dumb lie. And, and Jesus, we first we want to have a transforming friendship with you. Thank you that you don't just say, hey, Leib, make sure you believe these three things and, and then it's all okay and you don't have to actually get to know me or do anything I say or live a different kind of life. You, you actually become our friend. And you show us what friendship's like because you've laid down your life for us. Oh, God, help us to personalize this. Realize you did that for us. If we'd been the only person, you would have done that for us. You would have said, you're my friend. I'm laying my life down for you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we need that pattern in our relationships because we need to change our future. We need friendships as guys. We need friendships as women that are in the pattern of our friendship with you. They're friendships of love and disclosure and depth. And so, God, I pray for the guy right now who is totally alone, feels like he's totally isolated, feels like he's got nobody. This feels like way too much for him. Give him the, give him the ability to take a step at a time. Bring some guys around him in, in the body of Christ who will reach out to him, give him the courage to reach out himself, take risks, stay at it until he finds transforming friendship. We want this so much, and we don't know how to ask for it. So right now, we're asking for it. And we thank you that when we come to you with our deep need, that you don't turn us away, that you meet us right there. And you welcome us as a friend. you got the fire going around the campfire, and you just invite us to sit down. And so we sit down with you, Jesus. And we want to learn a different way as guys. So help us. We give our life, the control of our life, the leadership of our life over to you, Jesus. Teach us. We pray this in your name. All the guys, all the ladies said, amen. amen. You're sent out to love God. To love other people. Really. And to serve the world in Jesus' name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.